This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content is for general information purposes only. You're listening to the 50 Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K, a podcast designed to empower, enlighten, and entertain with perspectives that most women are thinking, but not always saying. This is 50 Shades of K. Molly Summerholder is back. If you've been listening to the 50 Shades of K podcast, we've had her on before to talk about your pelvic floor. She is the founder of Swan in the Lotus Yoga and Wellness. She's a woman's embodiment coach and a yoga teacher. She has been on a lifelong journey to healing her high-toned pelvic floor and sharing her experience and knowledge with all of you so that you can create a space for embodiment and self-love. This has been life-changing for me when I had to go into therapy for my pelvic floor after my kidney donation. Talking with Molly, learning more about it, so many of you women have reached out with more questions, and I thought, okay, We need to have Molly back on the 50 Shades of K podcast to go just a little bit deeper with the pelvic floor and pelvic floor health. And Molly, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. And she's in studio, everybody. I know. It's exciting to be back in the studio. too. How about that? Well, Molly, what do people say to you when you first start talking to them about, well, yeah, I take care of the pelvic floor. What are some of the first reactions that you get from people? Um, Some of them are like, what is a pelvic floor? They don't even know what the pelvic floor is in our body. I get that a lot from men, actually, if like I'm in a group setting and I actually point to them and go, well, you have one, too. And they're like, what? Because <laughs> we hear about it a lot more in the case of women. Yep. And even women don't know about this part, but at least we know that it's there. Or when we mention like the vagina or the uterus, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about, that location. But in general, most people have no idea what's going on down there. And they don't even know that part of their body. It's a complete mystery. Well, and I find that a lot of women, as I've opened up about dealing with an overactive bladder from scar tissue, my kidney donation was essentially like a C-section. There's a C-section scar and some Mm -hmm. other scars on my abdomen, which then weakened my pelvic floor, had to do a little bit of PT. I'm on the other side of it and I'm thankful, but I still do my therapy and exercises every single day. There are a lot of women, when I explain that to them, their response to me is, oh, I just thought that comes from old age or I just thought that comes from years of wearing a tampon or having children. That's just a side effect that happens after that. But that doesn't have to be the case. Mm -mm. And that's what I learned from you, Molly, when I first had you on this podcast. 
Can you explain to people why it's important to strengthen the pelvic floor and really what it is, where that area is, and and so people that maybe this is their first time know exactly what we're talking about? Yeah, so the pelvic floor is like, the it's a hammock. And so from there, it's suspended basically by a bone structure, the biggest bone structure of our body. So our lower part of our body underneath is like this, between the hips, it's kind of like this girdle. And so that holds our uterus, it holds our bladder and anus, and so this is where we secrete from our body, and it's made up of 13 different muscle structures, big muscles, little muscles. So imagine that whole part of your body, like we have, when you press down, you feel like your hip bones, and you know that you have your pubic bone, but the rest of it is all muscle. It's not like your arms or your legs that have a full structure that supports it. So these muscles have to support, they're three layers deep, and they have to support all these internal organs and keep them lifted and functioning. And so those muscles just weaken over time naturally. And they can also have issues prior to that. So it might be something you're born with. It might be something developed from an injury or a surgery. Mm -hmm. It might be um, because of weight. It could be because you're lifting improperly. There's all these things that happen because it's a center of our body. And so when we're sitting and compressing in that pelvic floor space, what happens is our body's compressing. So we have low back pain, we have hip pain, because those muscles aren't strong. They're not supporting us in the way that we need to. It's also connected to our abdominal wall, so our transverse abdominal muscles. It's the girdle that holds everything in. So another thing that holds in, like our stomach, our small intestines, our big intestines, our large intestines and colon are attached to also our pelvic floor. That's where we secrete out of our body. We want to make sure that it's strong and supporting us as we're sitting all day in our culture. So a lot of people during the pandemic might have had a pelvic floor condition or weakened pelvic floor and then noticed that they had these conditions even worse or noticed like my back's hurting worse after the pandemic because I was sitting more. And so as we become aware of that, we have to look at that space, not just the low back and the discs in our back, but also like what's happening with the muscles around it. How is it compensating to support these areas that are um, needing support? And so we don't think of that in the pelvic floor of how strong it needs to be. It needs to be strong and flexible. It's actually the stem of where we breathe. So when we breathe, we actually should be breathing into the pelvic floor like it's a balloon and then extending the breath all the way up through the body. It's I feel as if I want to do that now. Take a deep breath. Breathe out. (laughs) It's an important part of the body, but it's also kind of like out of sight, out of mind, Mm -hmm. which may be why people don't think that they need to strengthen it also or know how to. I had no idea how to strengthen until going to PT. And we're going to talk about some of the ways you can strengthen your pelvic floor here later in the podcast. But you were saying your breath is involved with it, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your breath is the starting point of that place. In yoga, we learn about it. There's multiple different breath supports that you can do. Uh, We don't think about it, but when you open up your breath in that space, you're giving that flexibility. You're flexing those muscles out. Our muscles and our body needs oxygen, right? Just as much as any our brain and everywhere else. And so when we really breathe into our body, when we're working out, when we're walking, we notice notice, like we have to breathe faster Mm -hmm. because our muscles and our body need that oxygen to keep moving. And it's the same in the pelvic floor. Those muscles, those organs, they need your breath. This area is already tight and then weak. 
and then it's not getting the oxygen it needs. And then you go out and move. And then what do we do? We come home and we eat or we sit on the couch or we go to bed after we work out. We don't stretch properly. We don't breathe into our body properly. And it just creates tighter, tighter, tighter muscles. And that doesn't help either. And then we go and lift something up and bam, we hurt our low back or we get something called prolapse where the organs start to drop down because we lifted improperly. There's all these things that can happen when we're not paying attention to our body. Yeah. And this is not what people want to feel like, but this is a complete shift in culture to raise awareness about things like the pelvic floor mm-hmm. because this really wasn't talked about Oh no. <laughs> years ago. And we're just now starting to talk about it. Even at the, as we started this podcast, people asking, what is the pelvic floor? Like you said, people react to you. Why do you feel that there has been a shift that now there's so much more dialogue about this? I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think there's the movement of women finally talking to each other about these issues and these conditions. Incontinence, yeah. overactive bladder. Yeah. And people like me who've been through pelvic floor and saying, hey, you're not alone. And just having that open conversation, we're more open about talking to our bodies in the previous generation. I think it's also to um, the culture that we're living in, in the medical field of looking at, OK, our body is is changing and the conversation has to change of wellness and corporation and preventative care. So you look at a lot of um, healthcare people are talking about more preventative care, which is something that's been talked about in the holistic world, but they're finally embracing because it's become a, a big industry and it's making money. They want to make money too. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe there's something there that we can tap into. And until 2013, pelvic pain wasn't recognized as a condition. So a lot of doctors would say, oh, it's just in your mind. It's psychological. There's no pain going on there. And now as we're getting a younger generation of doctors or getting more care that we need, those doctors are recognizing, yes, there is something going Mm -hmm. on here. Mm -hmm. And they might not have the answer, but now pelvic floor PT has become a very heightened uh, awareness that they're actually saying, oh, maybe you need to look into this. I mean, it took me 28 years to finally get a doctor that says, oh, there's a PT to help you. 28? Yeah, 28 years. So you were dealing with pain and discomfort with your high-toned pelvic floor and doctors just weren't believing you. And then finally you had mm-hmm. a doctor acknowledge this. Yeah. So my journey. And look, you created a business from it. Yeah. That really is life changing. <laughs> yeah. My journey started. I mean, I was born with my, I always forget the name, but it's basically like a misshapen hymen or a lot of it's pelvic tightness. Mm-hmm. And so I was born with it. I, I'm aware that my mom and um, my sister both had some form of it, but not as extreme as me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was younger, I had IBS and all that stuff contributed to many of things. That was a hereditary thing too. But as I got through puberty, you know, not being able to use tampons, having extreme pain. And you pain. couldn't use them, don't mind me asking, because of pain? Yes. Discomfort. Like it felt like a shoot, it was like a shooting pain all the way up my chest and I wanted to throw up. <gasps> Ow. It wow. was so painful because it was, because there was like an extra skin and it wasn't pushing away and it, and it had to take time to sure. flex open through dilation, but I didn't know that at the time. But then I just think about intimacy and the limitations mm-hmm. that might provide also. Yeah. And so I wasn't able to, until I went through my therapy, um, have penetration sex. Wow. Yeah. And just even the thought of like anything down there, I was so out of tune with my body because I didn't even want to touch myself at all because I'd be afraid of pain in any way possible, right? Well, yeah. If you associate something that's supposed to be beautiful and natural and enjoyable with pain, why would you? Yeah. It's not comfortable. And what a way to live your life. I mean, you just said 28 (laughs) years. I mean, so you're much older in your adult life and wanting to 
definitely explore those things. And that's why it's amazing that you've started this business to try to help other women. And we mentioned men. The podcast here, though, is kind of more focused towards women specifically. But men, obviously, this applies to you in some ways as well. And once you went through the therapy, take me through your journey. So for me, you know, I was in that pelvic pain of it was in your head or don't worry about it. It'll be fine. And then it led to in my early 20s, talking to some doctors, got dilators to do this on my own. And they were not the size at all to start in. They were way too big. Or I could have gone through surgery and gotten had scar tissue if I want. And then that could have caused issues with pregnancy and birth. And so then I finally met my doctor. I met my PT and we started off very, very slowly. It was probably the size like a dilator of a pencil, right? Like the smallest you can do. My gosh. But but think about the pain you were in that that's what you're starting with. I would have to do that for on a lot of my therapy was on my own um, because it was very different than other therapies. And I didn't have like, having to do sit-ups or like work that kind of stuff. I had to do Kegels uh, in a different way, but a lot of my therapy was relaxational therapy and putting the dilator in for like 15, 20 minutes and just sitting with that like every day. So I had to really be motivated. And so I got through pretty fast. Like it happened pretty fast where I got through several different sizes. And then we got to a point where a lot of people get in therapy, you progress and then you get halted by something. And it was really, really painful for me to go up to this next size. So I had to start using a numbing cream. And actually through that became the breakthrough of where I actually broke or moved the skin and it bled. And so then I was able to go further. Um, I appreciate you being this detail with it because that's what this podcast is about is trying to actually have these intimate conversations to help other people because that needed to be obviously what happened to get to the next step. Because I was going to ask you, did you, were you just strengthening and loosening the muscle? But no, you were, you had to kind of break that tissue, that skin. Yeah. And so that tissue broke. And then it was also, I did biofeedback. So you can have tight pelvic floor muscles and weak pelvic floor muscles. So not only were my pelvic floor muscles really tight, they were also really weak. But because they were tight, I really had to focus on the relaxation and making sure I was relaxed first because I can't keep tightening a muscle that's already really, really tight. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the therapy goes for let's release this. And then we would notice, okay, how weak are your pelvic floor muscles? So then I started doing the Kegels as we were progressing and then starting to strengthen that area. Um, So that took me on a journey for about a year, a little over a year. And then once we got to the point, like I still have all the dilators uh, just in case I need that. I mean, I probably don't need the smallest one, but I keep them as a reminder. Or if I'm um, talking to people and they want to know what that's like, I have it as a reference to show them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it led to vibration therapy vibrators always get kind of this bad rap that like, oh, you have a vibrator and it becomes a sexual thing. But when you're recovering or you have pelvic pain or opening of the vagina as we get older through menopause, we can get vaginal atrophy where we really get dry because we're losing estrogen. And doing vibrational therapy is one of the best ways to get that lubrication back, to get things moving again, to get that blood flow. We talk about muscles and blood flow. You need it down there. And so having a vibrator, just putting that in and allowing those muscles to relax is something that's amazing for your body. It doesn't even have to be associated with any kind of sexual pleasure. It can just be to help the muscles relax. So I started doing that. And that's been really helpful for me because it just gives me that moment of... 
I can relax my pelvic floor. So, and it's, a, it's an incredible feeling when you are in that moment of being relaxed through my PT when there's a device that they attach to you and you can look on a screen at the different levels, mm-hmm. almost like a heart monitor, if you can picture that. And when you're completely relaxed, it will flatline. Mm-hmm. And it was eye-opening to me when I'm watching <laughs> this, going through, it is sort of like a Kegel exercise. And when I'm in the point of relaxing my pelvic floor, that feeling was Incredible. And I'm not saying incredible like, oh, it was an orgasmic feeling because we're talking about that area and kegels and things can sometimes lead to orgasm. No, it was a feeling of complete relaxation Mm -hmm. from my breath to my body to this area that never did I focus on before of having to relax it. And it's a it's a great sensation. And this is part of the conversation I've had with other women in my life talking about pelvic floor therapy and what did you do and you talked about using the dilators and mine was needing to strengthen it again but I also had a little bit of some high tone pelvic Mm -hmm. issues going on as well it was great to know that there's a way to to do this and your body's almost saying yes yeah this is what we needed Mm -hmm. I mean as I sit here in this high chair this high chair we have in the studio with my legs cross, I can just kind of feel, I'm thinking about this area, like, okay, I'm probably sitting in a real high area that isn't good for my pelvic floor. Or when you go to the bathroom mm-hmm. at Summerfest and you pop a squat over it, that's terrible, I learned, for no, your pelvic floor. you shouldn't do it. Which, explain why <laughs> you shouldn't do that, Well, Molly. it's t- you're tightening up your muscles. So when you go to the bathroom, that's when you really should be the most relaxed, right? So when you're pushing out to go and have fecal release, when we're straining again it's like lifting when we're straining you're tightening those muscles you want to relax those muscles you want to be relaxed going to the bathroom this is your time to just like release that's why people read their phones and newspapers exactly (laughs) like and you should actually have your knees up high you should straighten up your spine when you're going because you want to make sure that you're not hunching over because you want to streamline so it can otherwise you're pressing you're pressing on it and you're not fully relaxed exhale that out and just, you know, don't hold your breath, exhale it out. And I learned release. that you shouldn't be trying to do this quickly either. That no. you shouldn't just be like forcing it out as fast no. as possible because mm-hmm. that's also straining. No. That's that's not good. It should be slow. And I had to work on holding my urine yeah. and then slowly releasing. And it was this whole new train of thought. And I also found with someone that was dealing with an overactive bladder, just hearing water run or being in the shower would trigger that, okay, I should I should go to the bathroom. Yeah. And these were all side effects after my surgery. And I had to learn through these Kegel exercises that when that sensation comes, and it would come hard and fast, I would do these quick pulses. And instantly, I wouldn't have to go anymore, and the sensation would be gone. And my therapist was telling me it's because my bladder is now communicating to the brain, we're not doing this right now. Yeah, We're in control, and we're not going to the bathroom. Because I used to have to pretend I was tying my shoe in public at a store because it would all of a sudden come on and I would think, oh my gosh, if I stand up right now, I'm going to have an accident. That's a lack of control. That's not what I wanted, which is why I was looking into to PT. And if you're listening to this, you're a woman listening to this and you feel that way, that's not the way to, to live. Like There are answers. And that's what Molly's all about with Swan and the Lotus Yoga and Wellness, helping people and coaching them through this and trying to give them some of the answers that they need. Because or do you do PT for people with 
No, I don't. But right, I do you're not work... certified with that, but you yeah. work closely with people that do. Yeah, I work closely with a pelvic floor physical therapist. She wrote a book. Um, we've done interviews together. We were on TV together. We just did a free talk. And um, that book, Between the Hips? Yeah, Between the Hips. Yeah. And this is by Megan, Megan Rohrbeck. Yep. Megan Rohrbeck, Between the Hips. We will put this up at 991themix.com. What would you say to a woman that maybe feels nervous about exploring this? You know, it's it's such a personal journey, but my answer always is, do you want to stay where you're at and, and have the stress and suffer through it? Or can you move through the fear and be on the other side? I kind of always, in my yogic realm and my thinking realm, and I just actually just wrote a blog about it, is that... On the other side of fear is what we need most a lot of the times. Of course, there's times where we're in fear and, you know, it's fight or flight and there's real risk of fear. But yeah. in general, our mind is creating things and scenarios that create the sense of ego or fear that's not allowing us to live on this beautiful path that is life and that is the path of love. And it wants the best for us. And so when we take that leap, when we talk to someone or we hear this and it plants a seed, when we're ready to, to take that step, that seed has been planted. And when it's ready to grow, it will grow. And so I never push anybody because I feel like it's your own experience. And when you're ready, because you have to be ready. It's like anything in life. If you're not ready to do it, you're not going to put your effort into it. And you're not going to see it through to the end. No. Yeah. And if you're ready, if you're at a point where you're like, I can no longer handle this. I was at a point where I'm like, I can no longer handle this pain. And I want to live my life. I want to finally love myself in a way that I never got to. And when I finally took that opportunity, I had a conversation with my former boss. She referenced my new doctor and that pathway opened to me. And I didn't even hesitate. I signed up right away to get started with my PT. And I'm so glad I did. And it doesn't mean that journey is over. I look at wellness and everything that's happened for me. It changes as you change. So what was started out as one journey with my PT has now changed to a different journey for me. And it doesn't mean that it's over. I have to find new practices or I have to go back to old practices or I figure out, okay, this has changed. Okay. Now I'm open, but how do I sustain that? And so it's a lifelong journey and you have to recognize that you're going to have setbacks. You're not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to feel good. You're going to have moments where you just want to be done. Mm -hmm. But that's where your courage and who you are really stands out. And that's where you can love yourself even more because you can look back and say, this was the hardest experience that I had to go through in a long time. And I did it. And look what's on the other side yeah. of fear. It is always love. When we heal from things, it's not going back to the person that you were before because that person wasn't in the space that needed it to be. You're coming back to who you really are. Every time you heal, you come back to a new person, the true person that you are. And in yoga, that's what we really the practice is about. When you connect your mind, body and spirit or embodiment is what I call it. It's coming back to who you really are. We were born in our few, first few days. We were this beautiful, pure human being until life took us over and circumstances and the people that raised us and all the things that happened to us. But yeah. we are on our path. In life, we've been created to be this beautiful being and share that beautiful being with the world. And this could be something that's holding people back from experiencing the life that they deserve mm -hmm. to live, 
when you talk about how they may feel with this may affect mental health when you physically don't feel well, that can mentally affect you and that affects the pelvic floor. That was really beautiful what you just said, Molly, about working through fear and and the pain and what that can lead you to on, on the other side. And you're someone that's living proof of that. Mm-hmm. You went through it. Yeah. I can't imagine 28 years of trying to deal with that kind of pain and discomfort and maybe even feeling moments of of anger towards yourself and your body that you were experiencing this discomfort and pain and not able to experience that self-love physically, mentally, and emotionally. Oh yeah. I mean, I've had, I had moments where I'd be just crying on the floor, like what is wrong with me or just hating my body for not doing what it can do or looking a certain way and not doing what you wanted it to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it also comes down to in our pelvic floor, in a sense of mental capacity, you know, we have our lower intestines. I was talking about our large intestines. That's where most of our serotonin lives, like 90 to, to 90 to 95% of our serotonin. That helps us sleep. It helps us relax. And when our digestion is off, when we're not looking at how we're secreting from our body, when we have these toxins built up, it can cause mental problems. It can cause depression, anxiety. So we really have to look at that part as just as important as our brain it's connected. There's a mind-gut connection. So then from there, there's also behind, uh, I believe it's your right ear, I always, but there's also a nerve that goes all the way down from behind your ear all the way through your lungs down into your belly. It's our vagus nerve. And it's becoming more prevalent. People are talking about it, but that's the nerve that kind of also helps regulate our body. And so that has to be stimulated. That has to keep healthy too. So there's so much that's connected, even just physically, but mentally to this space. And that's also, if we look at in an energy field, we call them our chakras, there are energy systems. And the root chakra is known as our, it's red, and it's where we hold our fear. Our fear of basic needs, of not getting that met, of our stability in ourselves and the world And so if we didn't get that as a child or we don't have that in our life, it can really affect depression, anxiety, mental things can happen like ADHD, all this kind of stuff, because we're not meeting that sense of baseline of what we need. That fear is just taking over. And this just is further confirmation that your whole body is connected. You could be doing well physically, strongest person at the gym. You can hold that three-minute plank. But how are you doing emotionally? Mm -hmm. How are you doing mentally? Trying to take care of all of these parts of your body that are all connected. Because when you have good energy, you put good energy out into the world. Mm -hmm. And if there is, like you were talking with the chakras, some imbalance in your body that is going to pour into other parts of your life which is why these conversations are really important. And mm-hmm. and I enjoy having them here on this podcast because we can speak in depth about them and just give a lot of you kind of just a taste of what this is all about. Because if you want more information, and perhaps you do, please reach out to Molly. It's Swan in the Lotus Yoga and Wellness. You can go to slwellness.info and you can get on Molly's newsletter, connect with her, It is a safe space to have these conversations. And Molly, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Because I would love to wrap up 
with you having us go through an embodiment exercise to guide us through that, to connect this space of our body and bring more awareness. Anything that you wanted to make sure you mentioned that maybe we didn't talk about before? I think it's just important to remember that it's okay to put yourself first and your self-care first. And it may feel foreign to do that or something that you just can't add. But what we're going to do in this exercise, you can do for two minutes or five minutes a day and just connecting with yourself is going to change how you look at yourself and your life more than you'll ever believe. And don't feel bad about it. And if someone in your life is making you feel bad about it, then that's where you need to put up some boundaries. Exactly. Boundaries are huge for sure. They really are. I'm glad you mentioned that, Molly. Will you guide us through this embodiment exercise? Yeah. So I had mentioned the breath is a huge component for embodiment and for just physically tapping into ourselves. So we're going to find a nice, comfortable seated position and close our eyes. And we can take the right hand and place it to our lower belly. So between the pubic bone and that belly button. So right where, you know, kind of that uterus is. And then that left hand onto the heart. And imagining there's that balloon right where that right hand is and inhale, draw that breath, nice deep inhale, draw that belly towards that right hand and then drawing it up through the rest of the belly, up through the chest and into that left hand, up through the nose. And then we'll exhale down through the nose, into the chest, down through the ribs, into the belly, releasing the lower part. And then again, inhale, pressing into that right hand, draw up, into that left hand, up through the nose. Exhale, drawing back down through the nose. And just doing this a few times and just noticing maybe there's a color that comes up. Maybe there's some thoughts or feelings. And just take a few breaths and just be with yourself right here. Getting curious on how you feel in this moment. And you can always find words that I am safe, I am protected, I am loved, I'm spacious, whatever affirmations you need to remind yourself in this moment, you're grounded and supported. And then we'll release and you can do that for longer if you need to. You can take time and write down what you colors you saw. So if you want to explore what those mean, you can look that up. Um, you can think about what you thought about. Um, the longer you sit, you might get visions. There's all kinds of things that can happen in that space. But just taking that, you know, again, even two minutes, five minutes, even if it's just focusing the breath, it really just grounds you. You're probably already already noticed. You just feel like, <sighs> yes, definitely. I just feel so much more relaxed. Well, thank you for that, Molly. Molly Summerhalder, always a pleasure to have you on the 50 Shades of K podcast. I know it won't be the last time. There's so much to talk about in regards to this. But please, if you want more info, reach out to her, slwellness.info. As always, we link this up at 991themix.com. If you go to the 50 Shades of K podcast or my blog, you'll find links to everything there. Thank you. Very much, Molly. Always great to see you. And you're in studio. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much for having me. This has been the 50 Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 